0: Good morning. good morning. Good to see you guys. I want to welcome? I see some faces I ain't seen in at least a few weeks. So man, it's good to see you guys. Millie, hey, come on. We prayed for you a lot, girl. A lot, lot, lot. I got some calluses on my knees from praying for you. But uh, God is amazing. He's so good to us. And uh, I want to welcome everyone that's here today. Uh, Whether you're here in person uh, with us this morning or uh, whether you're watching uh, online, uh, we are just excited uh, to see what God is going to do this morning. I believe that God has something great in store for us. All right. I'll try that again. I said, I believe that God, I believe that God has something great in store for us. Do you believe it? See, watch this. Let me just share something with you. I've learned that oftentimes how we position ourselves to heaven is the difference between the person who leaves unchanged versus the person who leaves with a breakthrough. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Y'all awake? You see, God's promises, his presence, let me say, It's guaranteed, but his promises are optional. God says, I will go with you as far as you want to go. But let me just say this, guys, where we go, that's up to us. How far we want to go is up to us, amen? I mean, that point right there alone is enough for us to just chew on, say amen, and go home, right? But I ain't going to cut you loose just yet is I'm going to give you the third installment of our series called Building Our Lives on Values That Last. And I want to start this morning by asking this question. If I were to ask you, what is your greatest ability? No doubt I would get all kinds of answers. But Some of you may say, well, I'm good at fixing things. Others of you may say, I'm good at breaking things. <laughs> I know a few people like that. No, they may not admit it. Uh, some of you might say, uh, I'm good at math. Not me. <laughs> some of you may say, I'm good at reading. Uh, perhaps some of you are saying, I don't know, that you're good at surfing or channel surfing. I don't know. But what I want to suggest to you this morning that is your greatest ability is Responsibility. See, responsibility is the ability to respond to life. And it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given you. When God created you, he created you with the ability to respond to life. And this is true in every single area of life. You can choose how you respond to your problems, to stress, to crisis, to opportunities, to to relationships, it's all your choice. Now, a large portion of your life is beyond your control. I think we all understand that, right? And what I mean by that is you didn't choose where you were going to be born, you didn't choose when you were going to be born. Um, And many of our life circumstances and events that happen to you, we didn't choose those things. But you do have the freedom to choose how you react to life. You have the freedom as to how you're going to respond. And because you have that choice, the freedom to respond, you are, ready for this, response able. You are responsible. The great theologian Bob Dylan once said, a hero is someone who understands the responsibility that comes with his freedom. Winston Churchill said, the price of greatness is responsibility. And so as we dive into this new series here, Building Your Lives on Values That Last, I feel like we have to start with personal responsibility. I mean, this right here is literally ground zero, because if you build your life on any other value, it's not going to work. If you're not willing to accept responsibility for your choices, I just read this earlier uh, this week, it was by Bishop Dale Broner, and he said it so beautifully. He said, you were born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. Is that good? Now, as we talked about last week, it's obvious that over the past forty years, there's been a dramatic decline in the acceptance of personal responsibility in our society. No one wants to be responsible for anything anymore. In fact, what we do is we uh, accuse and we excuse. We we want uh, to accuse people, saying it's all their fault, and we want to excuse others, saying it's not my fault. And so we live in this society where there's all of this accusing and excusing going on where no one wants to ever own up to anything anymore. Last week, we talked about the ideas of individualism, secularism, and relativism, and how they've influenced our uh, value system. And the result is three values, which now I'm finding is prevalent today. Three beliefs that are the antithesis of personal responsibility. You might want to take notes and write these down. The first one is called the rights mentality. The second one is called the victim mentality. And the third one is called the entitlement mentality. Now, the rights mentality basically goes like this. I have my rights, and that's all that I'm concerned about, my rights. I think that we would all agree that our society is obsessed with rights. There's criminal rights, animal rights, privacy rights, children's rights, housing rights, Gun rights, computer rights, digital rights, abortion rights, health care rights, da-da-da-da-da. The list goes on and on and on and on. Our culture has reached to the point where the obsession with individual rights is making it hard for us to just think socially. Now, that's not to say that all rights are bad, okay? Of course not. As a matter of fact, many of them are good, like the Bill of rights but the problem isn't a lack of rights the problem is a lack of responsibility i think that with the bill of rights there should also come a bill of responsibility hello somebody actually we have one you know what it's called the ten commandments (laughs) but that's the rights mentality and then there's the victim mentality And the victim mentality, it it kind of goes like this. None of my problems are my fault. In fact, they're all your fault. Just the other day, I read that a man was fired for being consistently late. But then he sued his employer, arguing that he was the victim of what his lawyer called chronic lateness syndrome. True story. I think somebody in my household might have that. but <laughs> <laughs> Then I read about another story about a young man who stole a car from a parking lot and he was killed while he was driving. It. His family then sued the owner of the parking lot for failing to take steps to prevent such thefts. And it's not my fault that I, that I stole the car, <laughs> And then here's the one that's really mind-blowing right here. A man who by his own admission exposed himself in public close to 20,000 times and had been been convicted on more than 30 occasions was turned down for a job as a park attendant because of his arrest record. But then he sues on grounds that he had never exposed himself in a park only in libraries and laundromats. And yes, he won. That's where we live today, guys. He won. He was considered, are you ready for this? The victim of illegal job description discrimination. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, folks. We are a, vic- a nation of victims. None of it's my fault. It's everyone else's fault. And then there's the third antithesis to personal responsibility, the entitlement mentality. And the entitlement mentality says, I deserve it. I deserve it all. The world owes me. And this mentality, it came about from a generation of baby boomers, 26 million of them, who grew up reading stuff like Dr. Spock, whose parenting book was the second most popular parenting book ever. And in that book, it basically says, don't discipline your children because you might harm their precious little creativity. Just let them sp- throw spaghetti all over the place if they want to. And so we have a whole generation of those who grew up not thinking that I'm my brother's keeper. They're not even thinking that I'm my own you ought to take care of me now you couple that with the rapid expansion of government intervention over the past 40 years which basically says we're gonna take care of you uh, from the cradle to the grave and we basically now have people who say I have a right not to work therefore you should pay me not to work and this is the mentality that's given uh, that's kind of risen up this this nasty tolerance mentality of this desire to blame everyone for everything and friends this is the world that we're living in today it's one that says i'm not responsible for anything it's not my fault now in stark contrast to that listen to what the bible says in ephesians 5, 15. it says live life with a sense of responsibility. Not as those who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. You see, responsibility begins with understanding the purpose for which God put you on this earth. Because if you don't know the purpose for why God made you, you'll never fully understand responsibility. So, the first thing that we have to deal with is why should I live a responsible life? I'm going to give you three reasons. I encourage you to write these down. And the first reason that we need to live a responsible life is because God is watching. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13 that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now church, listen, if you don't get anything that I I say at all this morning, get this. Life is a test of responsibility. The things that you will go through in life are a test to see if you will respond in the way that God has purposed for you to respond. And as is with any test, oftentimes, tests are not easy. But hey, you know what? God, he purposed it that way. He created it and designed it that way. He designed it so that our character would be developed. Once your life is over, God's going to ask, what have you done with the things that I have given you here on earth? Y'all with me, church? First, he's going to ask if we've ever if we've repented of our sins and we've put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is the most important thing that we will ever do in our entire life, ever. But then the Bible says that we will give an account for how we've lived our life. Romans 14, 12 says, each one of us will have to give a personal account to God. Daniel Webster once said, the most important idea that I've ever thought was the day I realized that I am personally and individually accountable to God for how I live. Now, I don't know what goes through your mind when you consider that thought. But I know this. I know that there's not a day that goes by that I don't consider. Why? Because, friends, we only have a one-time shot at this thing called life. One-time shot. And here's what I've learned. I may not be able to control what happens in my life, but I can choose how I respond. God has given you and me the ability of responsibility. So here's what most people do. They think, well, no one will ever know. They figure, you know, no one will ever know that I borrowed a few things from work indefinitely. No one will know how much I drank. No one will know what all I watched online. Well, God knows. God knows. And really, he's the only one that matters. I mean, you might be able to fool your boss. You might be able to fool your, your family or your friends. But you can't fool God. But let me just dispel a lie that the enemy has sold to the masses. Because Not only does God know all the things that we have done uh, in in secret, but watch this, point number two, others are affected by our life. And so in case you're wondering, why should I live a responsible life? It's because others are affected by our life. Now, I know that there's some of you who may think, well, our decisions, uh, they don't affect those around us, but that just simply isn't true none of us live to ourselves alone we are all interdependent 1 Corinthians 10:24 says people should be considered or I'm sorry be concerned about others and not just about themselves but how many times do we ever just actually stop and think about the choices and the decisions that we make and how they affect others you see, culture has told us the lie that I can do whatever I want to do. What's it to you? I mean, it's not affecting what's well, not affecting you. But here's the thing. The problem is that they are wrong. Every decision that you make affects someone else. Even the ones that you think that you're doing in secret. For example, every decision that you make changes you. And then you influence others as a result of those changes. Are you catching this? Let me see that one more time because this is such a powerful point. Every decision that you make, every single decision that you make, changes you. And then you influence others as a result of those changes. Just watch this, friends. We don't live in a vacuum. Every time you make a choice, it affects others. Like when someone in your life or let's say in your family has a problem, it's not just their problem, but it's the family's problem, right? Because it influences everyone in the family. Whether it's a a child who's on drugs or whether it's a dad whose life is is under stress, believe me, it affects the family. Because there's no such thing as a non-affecting decision. Truth is that we're always affecting others based on our choices because we're all interconnected on this planet. I'm talking about us accepting responsibility, brothers and sisters. Are you hearing me? And what is here's what I really want to do. I want to just kind of pop that balloon full of lies that says, what we do doesn't affect others. And the other lie, which says no one will ever know about it well, you're dead wrong on both. Let me just break it down. Let me just explain what I mean, if you, if I could. And I picked this one particular thing because there's so many areas that we could talk about when we talk about personal responsibility. So I was very prayerful on this, by the way. So I'm going to go ahead and pick on the thing that the Lord said, yeah, go ahead and talk about that. So um, to the person who might think I can watch porn and it doesn't affect anyone else but me, You couldn't be any further from the truth. Because if you're watching porn, it affects you in all kinds of ways. And yeah, I picked this one because this is the true uh, pandemic that's happening. It is, guys. I mean, man, go look the statistics up for yourself. Did you know that more than 85% of men look at porn almost on a weekly basis? And the number's still pretty high for women. Sometimes you think, I was blown how high it was for women. It's over 50%. It's, It's crazy, absolutely crazy. There are more than 85 studies that link poor mental and emotional health to porn. And these studies, they've shown that they affect all kinds of things, everything from social anxiety to depression to negative body image eating disorders, anger, loneliness, mood swings, um, and a massive list of sexual problems that I can't even mention in church. And these studies also show that porn affects a person's personal life, their family life, their school or their work performance, their finances, and yes, you better believe spiritual life, and these are just the things that I'm talking about that just affect you not to mention the things that it affects the way that it affects others but just in case you happen to believe the lie that porn only affects you you know what that tells me that just tells me that you don't understand the way that the internet works because I've heard people say this right here. They say, well, I'm not spending any money on it. I'm just looking at the free stuff. But watch this. There's no such thing as free. Did you know that? Every single time that you look at a website, it creates a value based on those views and those hits. And marketers will pay big money for websites that get a ton of cr- traffic. As a matter of fact, that right there is why you have um, people who will, will pay $5 uh, million for a 30-second ad on the Super Bowl, right? Because they know that they are going to be somewhere around, what, 100 million people that's going to be watching the Super Bowl. Well, guess what? Guess how many people watch the number one, and this is one of tens of thousands that are out there, Guess how many people go to the number one porn website? I'm not going to say what it is, but the one that's the number one website. They go over 125 million times a day. More people go to this one particular, just one website than watches the Super Bowl. And you think that those things free things are not affecting anything, let me promise you something. You are dead wrong. Because every time you click on a website, your click adds value. Marketing dollars. Marketing dollars uh, just by you simply uh, clicking on the website. And this particular free website, right, that that I'm talking about, are you ready for this? It's worth one. I've given you a lesson in marketing. This is what's known as supply and demand. And where there's a huge demand, someone is going to give the supply. Are you with me? Practically speaking, it creates a push for more porn to be created. Now you may think, well, well so what? Well, what, what if people want to make porn? I mean, it's you know, it's their choice, right? You know, It's not hurting anyone. Again, you couldn't be further from the truth. I just read a report. I cried when I read this because this is true. People don't like to hear the truth. The truth will set you free, folks. Watch this. This this report said that right at 28% of those who are being filmed for pornography are doing so against their will. Stop and think about that. Now, in case you're not smart enough to think, well, well, why don't they just say something? You think they don't edit that stuff? You think they're not being drugged? Yeah, they are. 28%, people, and 28%, this number came, well, well, that's on certain websites. No, the one I'm talking about today, this one is the 28%. That's where they got that number from. I'm sorry if this makes you. But I've just got to call this for what it is, just to set you free. You ready? Looking at porn contributes to sex trafficking. Plain and simple. I mean, I'm telling you what, we could go over here and grab this bucket and pass it around. And it doesn't matter if you throw a penny in it or a $100. Because any, it doesn't matter how much you're throwing or contributing to it. If you're contributing to it, you're contributing to it and you're guilty. big issue in our our country and in our world but But the truth is that we need to think about all of our decisions and how they affect our lives and also how they affect the lives of those around us. but let me just end the second point on some good news (laughs) for those of you that may be uh thinking oh crap (laughs) i've blown it i'm in trouble (laughs) well guess what we've all blown it Are you hearing me? Maybe not in that particular area, but we have all blown it. We've all made decisions that have affected our lives and have affected the lives of those around us. But the question is, what do we do now? Well, Proverbs 28, 13 tells us what to do. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Come on, can we just thank God for grace right now? Thank God that we can go to him, we can confess our sin to him, and we can receive mercy. But know that accepting God's mercy also means accepting responsibility. Are you with me? Now let's look at the third reason we should live a responsible life not only because of the reasons that we've already talked about but because god rewards responsibility did you know that he rewards responsibility now deuteronomy um, 28 and verse 2 it says and all of these blessings shall come upon you and will overtake you if just underline that right there in the bible if you will obey the voice of the Lord your God. Matter of fact, you should just take a time and read this whole chapter right here because it details how God wants to bless us if we will do what he's called us to do when we live the responsible life that he's called us to. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that God will bless you and he will reward you in ways that you could never possibly imagine. But there are a lot of people who, they don't know that about God. They see God through the lens, or the judgment lens, if you will, uh, rather than the lens of love. But watch this. One of Satan's oldest lies is that God doesn't want to bless you. Did you know that? That's the lie that was told to Eve when Satan said that God was holding out on her. But watch this. God wasn't holding out on her. God was protecting her. Listen to what the scripture says in Psalm 84, verse 11. It says, for the Lord your God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Thank God he gives grace. Now listen to this. No good thing. Come on, say no good thing. Will he withhold from those who walk uprightly? And it's important for you to know this because you can't receive what you don't believe that God can give. But Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, beyond all that we could ever ask or think according to his power, which is at work within us. You see, our biggest problem is our small view of God. I mean, God wants to bless us in ways that we could never possibly uh, imagine. But the problem isn't God's ability to bless us. It's with us believing that He wants to bless us. And it's with us being responsible with the things that He's already given us. One of the ways that He rewards us when we're responsible is by giving us more responsibility. Some of you that I want more (laughs) responsibility right? I get that I remember whenever I was in college I worked at a bank and it was a uh, pretty easy job I had banker's hours which I loved (laughs) and I didn't have a whole lot of responsibility one day I had one of my customers um, come in and offer me a job and it was for the position of a sales manager and I was only 22 years old, and this was a very large company. And so I met with them, and then they laid out all my responsibilities, what my duties would be, and um, as I considered all of that, I considered how all my banker hours would have been gone out the window. (laughs) And so I thought to myself, no way, man. I've got a pretty good gig going, so no thanks. That was until, of course, I found out that my salary would be three times what I was currently making. Come on, how many know I took that job, right? My mama didn't raise no fool, okay? But check this out. That job came with a whole lot more responsibility. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 25, 29. He said, to those who use well what they are given, Even more will be given to them, and they will have an abundance. In other words, if you are a good steward of the things that God gives you, no matter what it is, whether it's influence, whether it's possessions, or any gift from God, God will give you more. But on the other hand, if you're not responsible, don't expect God to give you more. Now, let's look back at the question at the beginning of today's message. Why should I live a responsible life? Three simple reasons. Because God is watching. Because others are affected by our life. And because God rewards responsibility. Now, maybe you're watching and you think, well, what can I do to become more responsible? I'm going to make this real short and sweet. I could break these down into four more points points and, and, you know, for another 20 minutes but I'm just going to give them to you are you ready practice good stewardship control our response guard your mind and last admit our mistakes now I thought through these points and I wrote those four points down and amazingly I brought my wife in and I was going through Literally going through all of the the different stories of the Bible. And I brought her in and said, babe, is this right? And yeah, amazingly, that almost every story in the Bible mentions these four things. Practice good stewardship. Control our response. Guard our mind. And last, admit our mistakes. God wants us to be responsible by practicing good stewardship by putting to good use the gifts and the talents that he's given us. The second thing that God wants us to do is he wants us to control our response and our reaction. I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. We can't control the events, the circumstances, the tragedies that happen to us, but we can control how we respond to them. And then the third thing we're to do is that we're to guard our minds. It's impossible to build your lives on values that last when you're allowing garbage in. Because what you think about determines who you become. You've heard me say this many times, but decisions determine destiny. And so decide to live a life that is built upon the foundation of God's word. And then fourth, admit your mistakes. Now, for some of you, this right here may seem like The the easiest of the four, but I can promise you for some, it's the hardest. You may say, well, Pastor, I don't have a problem admitting my mistakes to God. Okay. Well, what about admitting your mistakes to your spouse? Or your kids? Or to your friend? Or to your boss? Or better yet, your employee? You see, becoming a more responsible person not only means... Confessing your mistakes to God, but it also means admitting them to others. James 5, verse 16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You see, the Bible here says that our confession is connected to our healing. And so let me just end with this question. Who do you need to confess? Healing is but one confession away. Healing is but one confession away. Amen. Just you stand to your feet with me this morning. I know my message was a little bit of kind of like a dagger coming flying at you today. It was kind of short, and sharp. Accepting responsibility. You see, this one right here is one value that we've got to deal with before we can deal with any other value. Because if you don't choose responsibility, all the other values, they're just a house of cards. And make no mistake about it, only you can make that choice. God's given us this thing called the power of free will. And the Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. Man, that just hit me right there. Did you hear that? Not choose tomorrow or next week or one of these days. I'll get it together. But it says choose this day, as in today, as in right now, as as the, as the, the preacher is talking right now. Choose this day who you're going to serve. So you know what that means? That means now is the time. Today's the day of salvation. And Watch this now. If you're here and you say, well, I, I don't want to choose. Well, you know what? Sorry. But that choice right there in itself is a choice. Did you know that? Watch this. We end up living with the choices that we make. Here's what I'd like to ask right now. Who's here this morning and you've never chosen Jesus as your Lord? If you've never chosen Jesus as your Lord, I want to give you that opportunity right now because this is the most important question that's on the table right now. What are you going to do with that? Because friends, every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for the life that we live. Now, one or two things is going to happen when that takes place. We're either going to have to pay for the sins that we have done here on this earth. Or we can put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ and Jesus will pay those sins for us. But it requires us putting our faith in him and not in ourselves. And it means us accepting responsibility. And so I just want to ask, who's here this morning? That you've not put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And I just really believe with all of my heart because I feel it right now in my gut that there are some of you that at some point in your life, maybe it was when you were a child, maybe it was just years ago, but you've walked away from God. And right now you're not in relationship with God. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. For you to, to look to God because here's what the, the Bible says, it says that if we will confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So whatever mistakes that are hanging over you, I know I threw out some hard truth to you this morning, but the good news for you is that you can be forgiven, you can be free if you will confess them to God right now. And the Bible then says that he would wash us And though our sin would be as scarlet, he would wash us as white as snow. That's the good news of the gospel, is that we can be forgiven, that we can be cleansed, and that we can be free. So for those of you that say, yeah, I want the forgiveness that only Jesus offers, and friends, only Jesus can offer it. And you say, amen, I want it. I don't want to live for my own life. I want to live for Jesus. Put your hand up right now if that's you. If you're online, you pray with us right now. We're going to just confess right now. We're going to have a moment of confession that says, Jesus, you are my Lord. I look to you. I live my life for you. Who's here this morning? You say, yeah, yeah, I want to put my faith in the person of Jesus. Here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and it's a prayer of surrender. It's one that says to God, God, I need you. I put my trust in you. And I I repent of my old way of living. And now I'm going to live my life for you. you, I just want to invite you to just pray this prayer right now from the the bottom of your heart. And watch this. It's not just about a one-time prayer that that we make. Are are you hearing me? I don't want to lead you astray. I'm talking about a life that chooses to live differently from the moment that we walk into this place to when we walked out. Are you hearing me? This morning I talked about there were some people that will come into church and they will be unchanged when they leave. But there's some of you this morning, you will receive your breakthrough. And I also want to just pray a secondary prayer as well. We're going to pray this prayer first. For those of you that says, yes, I want Jesus as Lord. First, we're going to pray that. And then I've got another prayer we're going to pray. But pray this out loud with me, okay? Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I was born a sinner. And I'm in need of Savior. And I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God for salvation? Watch this. I want to pray one more thing. And I really just kind of felt that right now. I feel like that there are some of you here. mm, That you were those that I was talking about. There's some of you that I know that I know that I know because I know how statistics work. There's some of you that you're caught up in pornography. I threw some hard truth at you this morning because truth will set you free. I need you to understand like what is actually happening when you do that junk. I mean, it's affecting more than just you, friend. But watch this. God doesn't want us to, to, to leave this place with condemnation upon us. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world so if you're here this morning and you're someone who's been in church for a long time and maybe you didn't raise your hand because you're like well I am a believer I'm just I'm struggling with this thing maybe it's not just a struggle maybe it's just man it's an addiction I want to pray for you right now okay and if that's you because I know this is a very sensitive thing but God knows but right now in your heart if you're struggling with this and man I know that I know that I know that I know there are people that struggling with body this morning. I know there are people watching online that struggle with this. Surrender to him right now. Say, Lord, I surrender. That's all you got to do right there. Lord, I surrender. Help. You know that right there is the prayer, one of the best prayers that we can ever pray is, Lord, Lord, help. Lord, I believe. I'm thinking, talking to the believer this morning, but Lord, help my unbelief. Help. I'm going to pray for you, Father. Father, thank you, Lord, that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And God, I pray, Lord, that your freedom would overshadow us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, any stronghold, Lord, that any um, lie that has been placed, Lord, in the mind of your people, that today, that it will be broken in Jesus' name. And if, Father, I pray that that addiction, that spirit of addiction, would be broken in the name of Jesus. Mm. Come on, if that's you then you're praying right now, just in your heart before God, to say, Lord, I, I receive it. I receive it. I let it go. I let it go. I surrender to you. And so, Lord, we thank you now, Father, for the freedom that comes in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for his grace? Can we thank him for his mercy? We love you, Lord. Come on, let's lift our voice, church.